Network Automation Nerds podcast. Hello and welcome to Network Automation Nerds podcast, a podcast about network automation, network engineering, Python, and a lot of other technology topics. I'm your host, Eric Cho. Today on the show, I am super excited to talk to Roel Dionisio. Roel is an experienced wireless network expert, the founder and managing director of Packet6, and the host of clear to sand podcast, amongst other things. Prior to founding his own company, Roel held different roles in the IT field, including eight years in higher education at Stanford University. And I'm going to pick his brain on that because <laughs> I'm very interested <laughs> in that. Today on the show, we'll be talking about his path to IT networking, his passion for wireless, and how you can make your own wireless network better. I am super excited to have Roel on the show, and I know we'll have a great time chatting. So let's dive right in. Hello, Roel. How are you this morning? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, just one correction. Six years yes. at, at Stanford. Oh, six years. Sorry, I couldn't do my math. <laughs> and that's that college tuition down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't have to go to Stanford in order to uh, do basic math. And I failed on that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey. <laughs> you know, we all do it. And uh, I know people get all hung up on subnetting and you know, that seems like basic math, but hey, I still use a subnet calculator. So, Oh, for sure. Right. Like, I don't think I've ever, um, outside of slash 24 and 23, I think slash 22 is my ma- ma- maximum, right? Like if it goes out to slash 21 and you start to have to go with like, you know, a couple of slash 23s, one slash, you know, 24s and subnetting, then, then yes, subnet calculator saves <laughs> their day. Yeah, so before we get started, um, do you want to just kind of because you have so many different hats? So I don't, I don't think I did, did justice to that. So do you want to just go over a little bit of all the projects you have going on and everything that you're working on? Yeah, sure. You know, um, wearing many hats can be uh, like a double-edged sword. So I tend to do a lot of things just because I, um, I guess I like to keep myself busy. But uh, my primary the primary thing I do is is I'm a technical team lead for the Wi-Fi team over at Stanford University. So we're always working on Wi-Fi across the campus, improving it. And then, um, you know, when I'm not doing that, which is basically after hours, I have my own business consulting. It's uh, there's two of us in that company, and uh, I do have a handful of clients that I work with on. On, on occasion, uh, it's not it's not a lot because you know I still have a, a full time job. But even when I'm not doing that, of course I uh, I blog and do podcasting. So it it's busy. And and we were talking before we recorded. I was just saying how busy I was. <laughs> and so sometimes I just have to you know calm down, relax. Because uh, in addition to all these things that I do, I I have a family. So I have two kids, um, and we live in San Diego. So they themselves like. I'm I'm always there because uh, I work from home. Yeah, yeah. How how does that work? Um, you're you're doing a lot of consulting and for Stanford, but you're living in uh, kind of on the other end of the state. So do you fly up there? Is that is travel? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I'm uh I'm I'm full time at Stanford, and then uh I am on a on call rotation. So I do go up there regularly for my, oh my god so i'm on i'm in the area during on call so yeah i travel up there <laughs> i thought i was busy with like a full-time job and maybe going for some studying but 
apparently you're much more of a go-getter. Yeah, you know, um, I was just thinking the other day of how easy or much easier it would be for me if I had a job where I just showed up and left. No, like, uh, <laughs> and there was no on call. No, right, no one needed to bother me. Like I showed up in the morning and I left. Like you know, did a four hour shift or eight hour shift and went home. Like, sure. How much easier would that make things? <laughs> yeah, just the the mental drain, right? I totally know what you're talking about because back when I was doing regular on calls and maintenance windows, even though the maintenance window, let's just say, is three a.m. in the morning and you're supposed to get some rest. But that is outside your normal cadence, right? So you can't really mm-hmm. get rest. And then you're always thinking about that maintenance. What if something goes wrong? Double yeah, checking. Yeah. It's really really the mental game that is uh that's overlooked, I think. Yeah, and that's it it's it's a big thing in IT, right? Because yeah. um for a lot of us we're we're a salaried position mm-hmm. and that tends to uh come with a lot of work hours, right? odd work hours, but then long work hours. So you could be hours on end on a support call because yep. of an issue. And and that'll just ruin your your body clock and your sleep. And e- even this morning, uh, I'll tell you, <laughs> this morning was uh, hilarious. So uh, I couldn't sleep, right? So I went mm-hmm. to bed maybe around 1130 or midnight. And then I got a call at three in the morning saying uh network was down in mm. on the east coast so oh this is God. one of this is one of my uh clients that i have so i'm like sure all right I, i'm up i'm not i hope it's doing... not like financial trading because like 3 a.m that's no the market, it's not it's, opens. Okay. it's it's a warehouse so okay. um i did their network and they they called me a three saying yeah the network's down and they they think it's this that and sure. so uh, at that time, I'm not working for Stanford because it's three o'clock in the morning and sure. I don't really start my day at Stanford until eight or nine. And so I, I spent them from three to five, just troubleshooting. And even, even thinking about this recording that we're doing, I was like, man, am I going to make it for this recording? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you did, but uh, that, it that is out. intense. Yeah. So I've been awake since three. <laughs> oh my god okay sorry i i didn't mean to put that much you know additional stress on you but i couldn't predict no there's that. no oh. additional stress it's just that once i was done i was like should i go back to bed and then wake up at you know 6 45 or something? yeah <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate it i really appreciate that i understand how stressful that could be and i i i appreciate you you know being very considerate about you know 6 45 that's a bit of a time before our actual <laughs> recording day time, right? So you're actually buffering in. So speaking like a true entrepreneur, ready for uh, unpredictable things. Yeah, I, I think that's just what I'm used to is dealing with uh, issues that arise um, on the spot, whether it's technical or you know something you do day to day, like maybe it's with with a, with the house or with your kids, like it's. I've just gotten used to it, but I think it's because of how my career has been. Yeah, speaking speaking of your career, you wear so many hats, and I'm wondering how did you get into technology? How, how did you get your start? Yeah, it it started in like senior year of high school. I already knew that I wanted to be in IT, so um, I didn't go the traditional college route. 
Um, I didn't apply for any universities. Uh, I wanted to do something that went straight into tech, but mm-hmm. didn't require me to do a lot of um, studying of other fields to get there. Mm-hmm. So I went to uh, ITT Tech. So they're oh, no okay. longer around. Yeah. Um, so I spent like four years there. And two years in, I think I got a help desk position Mm -hmm. and then uh, made my way up to sysadmin uh, then eventually became an IT manager for a short while uh, and then became a network network engineer so I've always wanted to be in networking that was kind of the path I wanted to take Uh, but I've I've kind of done everything up to network engineering and and then now I focus on on Wi-Fi that is Super interesting. I want to say you're maybe one of the few guests that knew he wanted to do networking and it was so focused that you actually wanted nothing, you know, like like you said, right? You don't want to study English and math just to get to networking. Yeah. So you went straight to I, ITT. Yeah, but I, you know, when I went to ITT, I still had to do all that. <laughs> uh, I think I failed the math class once um, and then I took some English classes and I just wanted to avoid things like physics and yeah. uh, biology. Cause I knew I wasn't, uh, I didn't want to do it, but you know, after, after you know, getting passed through education, I learned that you know, if you did learn that stuff, it would be useful just mm-hmm. on your normal day-to-day stuff. Right. But nobody needs calculus. I'll tell you that. <laughs> On a day-to-day, you know, grocery shopping. You know, budgeting. if you looked at the algorithms they use in Wi-Fi, maybe you would uh, <laughs> change your mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I guess, um, yeah, not on a day-to-day, but in very specialized fields or, mm-hmm. um, you know, certain categories, you definitely need these, uh, you know, algorithms. And if you want to go deep in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you mentioned you eventually became, uh, you went to networking. So how was that transition uh, career pathwise between networking to wireless? How how did it lead to that and made you want to specialize in wireless? Yeah, so um, I think, I feel like I have to step back because okay. I think the hardest thing to do is transition to network engineering. Okay, uh, And then going from network engineering to Wi-Fi wasn't as difficult for me. It was more of a, I fell into it kind of, uh, kind of thing. But, uh, before I, I really wanted to become a network engineer and to get there, it was, it was rather hard to get to that role because, mm-hmm. um, at the time, I think this was maybe seven years ago, um, people weren't hiring network engineers if they we're not touching networks basically. Right. So you're mm-hmm. always in this catch 22. And I know a lot of people mm-hmm. fall into that role yep. where they're, they're help desk and they want to be a network engineer. But um, trust me, like if you go through that through from the bottom and move through the, all these positions, you become a be- better network engineer. Mm-hmm. So um, I was lucky that I had uh, managers that, or a manager that was willing to give me, uh, that's a, a chance to work on network engineering stuff. And right. so I got hired on to take, I don't even know how I nailed it, <laughs> but um, 
because I was more of a sysadmin at the time. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I had already touched like a couple of Cisco stuff, like uh, like the, f- the old 4500 mm-hmm. chassis. And mm-hmm. then um, he was like, all right, well, I think you can handle you know this kind of distributed network of one U switches and back in back in the day it was like 30 the 3650 or 3750 switches yep uh so from there just kind of uh once i touched that i was like okay i want to do more network engineering stuff but it was still kind of a side thing like i had to do that plus manage admin. yeah firewalls servers yeah. like everything but i always just wanted to do network engineering and so eventually they transitioned me to a network only role so instead of being at one client managing their stuff this was at an msp mm-hmm. um they said you know what we'll put you in a specialized role and then you can go to each of the other clients because most of the people there were just generalists and then at that point um i ended up at stanford and and when when i was at stanford i already had some wi-fi experience because i was doing wi-fi uh for the msp and it yeah. only escalated from there so um there were there were uh processes that were in place for doing a uh, proper wi-fi design um we weren't uh, optimized with configuration so i kind of picked all of that up and learned it uh took what i learned from the msp and then kind of made myself or i i positioned myself as hey let me be the the wireless sme yeah did you go through any, like you said, a lot of people got caught in the, the catch 22, right? They want experience, but you don't, you can't get experience until you start touching the routers and switches. Did mm-hmm. you go through any certifications or uh, did you go the Cisco route or was Cisco yeah. even big in wireless back then? Um, so specifically in wireless? Uh, no, just networking in general. I think you said yeah. uh, that, you know, transition from networking to wireless was easier than just breaking into networking, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I picked up a network network plus first, mm-hmm. um, and that just kind of helped with some foundations. And then I actually didn't get into switching until um, I went into this nonprofit and they had a lot of Dell switches. Mm-hmm. So my experience started with Dell switching, mm-hmm. and then we migrated to Cisco. And at that point, that's when I picked up a CCNA, and um, my CCNA actually expires in next month. Uh, <laughs> I don't plan on renewing it uh, yeah, yeah. because I don't have the time and I already, I feel like I already do more than CCNA. Oh, for but, sure, right? The CCNA <laughs> you, you have my approval. Me. Yeah. yeah. CCNA helped me understand more of that. Uh, and I kind of stopped the, actually, no, that's not true. I didn't go CCNP or CCIE. I just stuck with, with CCNA. But I, I, I do have books for like CCNP and CCIE stuff. I just read through them i just decide not to take the test yeah i mean i think uh it sounded like you've been very practical right like not not this background but on your uh, website and um some of the backgrounds that you show there's just the bookshelves of cisco press books because you could tell because there's just very distinct on the bl- yeah. dark green. yeah yeah and those are the physical copies <laughs> yeah yeah back then right like you and i, I, have, like I have a lot of copies. the pdfs yeah, yeah, exactly. So it doesn't mean you didn't obtain the knowledge. It just meant you were not, you were very practical about and pragmatic about what kind of books and knowledge that you obtain. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and it, certifications yeah. are, there. there's different phases of cert, 
that that we go through with certifications for those who are trying to get into a role certifications are more of like a resume building right. type of thing right and then as you gain more experience certifications become closer to a uh, either a requirement for wherever you work mm-hmm. or personal achievement that you want to do or i just need to learn some i just need to learn and because I'm dealing with this uh, technology, so I, I'll go through the certification route as a structured learning process, right? Because yeah. a lot of this information is just available on like Cisco's website, Absolutely. Juniper's website. It's all there. It's just you have to find it, right? right. So, um, like when I, so I did take uh, DevNet Associate, and the way I took that is I didn't have a book. I think at the time when DevNet was released, there was no book for. Yeah. It came six months after, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I have it now, but I got it after I passed (laughs) the certification. And I just wanted to have a copy for reference. But I went online through Cisco's website, searching for everything that had to do with the objective that they listed, and then uh, putting into practice for that. Yeah, that's, that's a really good advice, I think, for people who were... Just thinking about getting into the field, I think, uh, like you said, it's a structured way. So you don't really know what you don't know. And you have to start somewhere. So you might mm-hmm. as well start on this path that's you know promised and curated for people. And I saw a lot of that on the DevNet uh, you know, developer page as well. They have these learning paths. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in sysadmin, you go a certain path. Um, to me, that's the best part about the website. It's just a lab plus a curated mm-hmm. path. If you're interested in just wireless, for example, yeah, yeah, exactly, and 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 with Wi-Fi, there, um, we're in, in our field. We're fortunate that there are a lot of people who do write about Wi-Fi, and so if there was something you wanted to look up or learn, you'll probably come across somebody's blog who has written about it. Now, even when it comes to blog articles and even my own, like you, you don't want to take that content as like the truth, you know, mm-hmm. you, you mm-hmm. should somewhat validate that information. Even the stuff I put out, I, I always tell people like, that's from my point of view, I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just hope someone would tell me I'm wrong if I read it. <laughs> in a nice way, right? Because everybody's yeah, in a nice, nice constructive way. way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not just like you suck, but tell them why. I mean, I'm the same way. It's like, yeah, you know, I know I suck, but tell me why and how I could improve and we will all, you know, become better that way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and one of the things that I do, because I actually put myself out there quite a yep. bit, right, yep. with writing, posting things, because I always question, like, should I post this? Maybe not. Um, I have um, openly just agreed with myself. I'm okay with looking like a failure. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I failed, like, sure, I'll just learn from that. And, you know, it's no right. big deal. Like, I, how, I put something you... out there, I got corrected. So it, it's okay. <laughs> How did you get to that point? Um, myself included. I mean, I put myself out there with the writings and podcasting such as this one, but the imposter syndrome is very real, right? How mm-hmm. did you get to a point where you're okay and not be impacted? I won't say 9 p.m. too much, right? It definitely mm-hmm. has impact on maybe not succeeding in the in the first time. A lot of it is actually doing it right getting to do it the first time okay um and so you have to be able to come to terms with yourself and say you know what? if i put this out there i am 
I will accept criticism, feedback, good or bad. Like if you're okay with that and you can take it, then do it. Like if you're, if you're, if you can't handle that very well, then maybe it's not quite for you. Maybe you just um, write that internally for your own, right? Like your own internal journal or notes, wherever you want to write to. Yeah. Uh, Not everyone needs to write in a public forum. Um, so yeah. there, there's been one time where I, I always remember this, I was still learning about Wi-Fi, and I wrote something and someone actually, uh, mess, uh, they, they replied to my tweet saying I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And this person, like I highly looked up to, so I knew he, he, he knew, he knows his stuff more than I did. Yeah. Yeah. But instead of saying, uh, or, you know, like hiding in my shell, Mm-hmm. I I just opted to say, well, tell me more. Like, yeah, why why is it wrong? And so, um, what I ended up doing is instead of just modifying my blog post and deleting the wrong stuff, I actually just like cross. I did the strike through, and yeah. wrote yeah. wrote why wrote the right response and said why it was right and who corrected me. And so, um, as long as you can get to that point, then. Uh, it doesn't matter because in the grand scheme of things, um, making a mistake like those kinds of mistakes, yeah, is not a is not like a huge deal, right? Yeah, it's not like a resume generating event. Um, but you you do. I still go through that where I'm gonna post something and I look at it like, should I post this? Like, what if, <laughs> what if somebody thinks this and that? Yeah, and, and then at some point, I I just kind of like sit there and I go, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you press the publish button and then you run yeah. away. <laughs> and then you know what happens is after you publish it, no one says anything. Yeah. Cuz the majority of the time no one is going to say anything. They if anything you might get positive feedback, but right. uh you just have to have the expectation that there will be feedback. Somebody will say something. Yeah, you know what I picked up on that you know, conversation we just had was you really have a growth mindset. Uh, you believe things could be better, right? Like whatever you publish, is not final. Uh, you could still do the strike through. So it's not the end of the world when somebody uh, did have an input or corrected, uh, like you said. Yeah. 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 I mean, that is a good advice. Um, and also I think, um, besides the growth mindset that it's really, so for me, you know, I actually look for the small wins and whenever I feel down or I feel discouraged, I look at the little bit of things that if it helped one person or if somebody, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just a milestone and sometimes like, I'm not courageous like you, I don't put everything out there, but I do keep a journal on the small wins just mm-hmm. to, as a way to like pick myself up when I'm down. Uh, that that is um, absolutely something everyone should do. I do that as well. I I document my wins. I have um, something where uh, I have it called accomplishments, and I'll just list it. And um, a lot of times, I'll ask people. So so our podcast has a Slack, mm-hmm. and a lot of times, um, I try to do it once a week. I ask people to post their wins. Yeah, and, and and it doesn't have to be professional. It could also be a personal win because I always say celebrate small wins because a lot of times we don't right it's just yeah we just feel like we're in this grind and if you're not stepping back and and going here's what i've done 
you know, even in the last seven days or the last month, like you have to give kudos to yourself. Uh, yeah. And even other people, I would say, um, don't only, don't only celebrate your wins, but celebrate other people's small wins. Yeah. I celebrate your wins, my friend. <laughs> we'll go into a little bit later, but um, the the building public and consulting and podcasting those are those are huge uh, wins. But um, but we'll go go into that a little bit later. Um, what I also wanted to say was, you know, that's well. Anyways. Um, Tell us a little bit about, I'm going to switch gear a little bit because I think I want to get to the packet six, the consulting and the podcasting, as you mentioned before. So how did you get started? How, I mean, it sounded like you were in a traditional role. Uh, you were not doing projects outside of full-time position or have you always done some sort of side projects, uh, which led to the the podcasting and the consulting? Yeah. I, I've always had a side job. So mm. Even when I was um, uh, working at the MSP that I worked yeah. at, yeah, I I was I had a side job and it, I was a wedding photographer. So <laughs> I, <laughs> wow, that's very different. <laughs> yeah, so I stopped doing wedding photography when I started doing on call stuff because I didn't want to book a wedding and then I'm like on call at the same time. Right. Um, so uh, eventually, like I I ended that, but uh, I would do. In IT, while in IT, when I wasn't on call, I was I was doing photography. Mm -hmm. So I've always had a side gig. So I I always think about what uh, I just have this entre entrepreneurial mindset, right? So yeah, I'm always thinking about what can I do to uh, create some income, even if it's a small thing. Like right now, um, I collect. Um, uh, sports cards and Pokemon cards. Oh, no I'm, kidding. Okay. And I'm about to like try to sell some of them. And I, and I have like, I literally have stack like this stack right here are all cards. Mm -hmm. I just haven't organized them. And okay. even behind me, I have a stack of cards like oh, all right there in the back. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, so for people who are listening to the podcast, I mean, we also have a, a YouTube video. If you want to look at the <laughs> the spread on the, the side desk and the, the back, back desk. Yeah. Baseball yeah. cards, uh, Pokemon is the one I do the most, and I'm just getting started in Star Wars uh, mm -hmm. cards. And uh, I learned that Star Wars cards apparently have a tremendous value if if you could if you can pull the the rare ones. Um, and just yesterday, I learned that somebody got a Darth Vader uh, card um, at this uh, marketplace. Yeah. And it was just like a really rare card. It was like one of one. They only made one of those. And it was, um, they probably bought it at the pack for, it was like a box probably for um, like a hundred bucks or so. Yeah. That yeah. one card sold for $24,000. Oh my God. That's, so um... like, that's kind of the thing I'm into right now. <laughs> so if you don't hear me, like, chatting on twitter or anything it's probably because i'm doing that <laughs> oh no no if we we see it stop doing consulting all like <laughs> by, by everything then we'll know okay we'll, we'll, we'll go check the the collectors you know auction sites <laughs> no, i'm just getting that. started so yeah. I'm, I'm like a total noob at that i feel like how i started early in my career like i don't know anything i'm just doing whatever it is to get in but um but basically yeah that's i always do something on the side that's yeah. 
Gary V would be very proud. <laughs> like go into the garage sale, flip, you know, baseball or, you know, Star Wars car, like you said. Um, so how did that lead into, I mean, I understand that entrepreneurial spirit and, you know, trying to make, uh, you know, be its own P&Ls and, you know, having a profitable side gig. But how did that lead into Packet 6 and podcasts or, or Clear to Send podcast? Yeah. Um, so the Clear to Send podcast has been around longer than Packet 6. Packet 6 started as a blog. Okay. And then um, when... At the same time I was going to uh, where I'm at now, uh, I decided to turn it more into a consulting business. Okay. And so um, it it started very, very small where uh, the blogging kind of led to some people asking, hey, do you actually do some of this? Uh, on, like, could you help us? And th- that's just kind of just kind of like snowballed from there. And one of the things that I learned early on is um, if you wrote, things the way google can pick it up and the way people can search for it yeah basically writing in a way for people to search for it right you wrote you write for whoever your audience is yeah um it would pick up certain people and then i had a contact form and people would start filling out the contact form then eventually i had like a website actually built out yeah and so slowly i started getting clients and then uh where it really took off is just really um, networking with people, not ne- not network engineering, but like speaking sure. with people. And um, <laughs> what people uh, normally say networking yeah, means, yeah, <laughs> it, the the in person networking, yeah, the normal people way. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's what kind of led to referral. So a lot of my uh, work is referral based, or people who who come in through the website. Yeah, that's that's interesting because um we talked about small wins right so that was like a small win where you start publishing and the publishing led to uh, some inquiries and the inquiries mm-hmm. led to the next but you have the audacity to formalize that because i do you know get reached out by people uh inquiries about like consultings and so on but i never pursued that so kudos to you for uh, take the initiative and just run with it yeah thanks yeah. I mean, sometimes you just have to do that, I think. Mm-hmm. So how, and you mentioned about the Clear to Send podcast has been around longer than the consulting business. How 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 did that get started? Uh, was it just another initiative that you took on and say, where's this podcasting thing going? I mean, when you started, it must have been not so easy, right? Because there was yeah. no uh, like all-in-one platforms. You have to you know upload it somewhere. You have to mm-hmm. con- maybe construct your XML feed uh and so on so how did that get started yeah so it started when i was at the msp that i worked at and while i was there learning about wi-fi i was listening to two different podcasts eventually Mm -hmm. i listened to all of their episodes and they they had stopped recording new ones oh no uh while i started learning i was like well why don't i just kind of pick up where they left off or just start a new one and so that's how i started the podcast was, I will just create episodes based on what I learned. So it was mm-hmm. like just another form of blogging. And so um, instead of writing about it, I just talked about it. And uh, for the first few episodes, it was just uh, actually for a couple couple of those episodes, it was just me talking to my wall in the garage. <laughs> um, and then I got some people to inter- uh, to interview and they joined on and just kind of 
uh, kept growing from there because uh, it, it's like blogging. People wanted to hear about Wi-Fi, so it's a very niche uh, area. And it's not like anything I tried to grow crazy. It's just, it's more like a hobby, right? Like um, I, we don't have these schedule commitments and, um, and, and trying to publish consistently, although that's good to publish consistently, but it's not, we, we didn't make it so that the podcast was a burden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a, I think that's the key. Um, if it, if something becomes your full-time job, there's always these, again, like these mental things that you come and say, I, there's something that I have to do versus something mm-hmm. that I want to do for fun, for inches, uh, decompress or whatnot. Um, I go through the same thing when I was creating courses. It's almost like I'm just talking to the void, right? So yeah. sometimes a trick that a friend of mine told me was if you stare at that red dot or ring dot, whatever it is on the camera, you're just like, uh, it's like the Tom Hanks movie, right? You're like just talking to that dot, pretend. Yeah. That they, yeah. yeah. You get hypnotized or you, like that's your friend all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sounds pretty pathetic, but, uh, <laughs> but hey, here we are, right? Um, all right, cool. So in, in this part one of the episode, you know, we talked about your background, put things into context, some of the projects that we've done. And in the, uh, part two of our interview, we're going to uh, go over more on the wireless part, maybe some of the building public and go more in depth into just build on what we've talked about. So um, thanks for being here on part one. And I hope to uh, continue the conversation in part two, Raul. Thanks. Do you know where, uh, well, you know, before we depart, though, uh, where can people find you on social or where do you want to connect people? At? And of course, we'll have these in the show notes as well. Yeah, so uh, everyone can usually find me on Twitter at Roel Dionisio. And then if you just search my name, you'll find my LinkedIn and, and Instagram. In- Instagram's kind of where I stay on the personal side. So if you yeah. just want to see like whatever the heck I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> nice looking blinking lights. And, uh, you know, wireless is working. You can't really see it, but, you know, yeah. hey, the blinking lights are nice to yeah. look at. I don't re- actually, actually don't post a lot of wireless and tech on my Instagram, but on okay. Twitter I do. Okay. Cool, cool. So you you heard that on Twitter, more on the professional. If you just want to get to know Royal as a person, Instagram and tell your story with pictures. And I think that's, yeah. the, that's the theme, right? Yep. So thanks for listening to the Nowhere Animation Nerds podcast today. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast platforms. Until next time, bye-bye.